Yeah. Oh, today it did not look like nobody, like we were moving. I promise you. We were very lived in the house today. Yeah. But it wasn't overwhelming. Like there's a difference yes. of like lived in mm-hmm. versus like drowning in the stuff, right? Absolutely. And I still had people over when I was drowning in the stuff because that matters. Yeah. It absolutely matters. But the enjoyment on my part yeah. was a lot higher. <laughs> yes. Welcome to the Minimal Mom Podcast. Oh my goodness. I don't even know where to begin. You've opened my eyes to so many things in my house. I'm loving my house more and more. And even with less stuff, I still want to get rid, 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 rid. Today, Dawn is joined by Jessica Jackson from Soaring in Motherhood. Jessica is a mother of four who is determined to not only enjoy motherhood, but to build a strong family and become better in the process. Along the way, she's become well-practiced in thriving through survival mode while experiencing difficult pregnancies, health challenges, and multiple cross-country moves. Over the last five years, I have continued to have incredibly hard seasons. Like my husband's in grad school. I had really hard pregnancies. I couldn't walk. I was very sick. Um, I've had surgeries. I've had crazy like super bug that attacked me after one of my kids was born. So really hard things that have happened. And as I've continued to slide up and down that scale, I've just been very aware and observing what what's happening and how can I make yeah. this better and how can I make this easier? And so I went from a wish to now feeling very confident in how I live my motherhood life, but it was, you know, a nine and a half year process. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's good because we're going to talk about the five-step path from surviving to thriving. And it's actually good to know that you've been through some stuff, right? Because sometimes it feels like advice is coming from those who don't actually fully understand how hard it can be <laughs> So sometimes. So we don't wish like those hard things on anyone, but obviously you've had your fair share. So why don't you start us down this path? Sure. So the very first stage of the path is survival mode. And that's when circumstances feel bigger than you. So, Mm. you know, for me, that is been those hard pregnancies or the moves or, you know, whatever it might be. And, and everyone has their own hard thing. And the thing about those circumstances is you often don't get to choose like how long they're going to last. You don't get to choose what they are, but they happen to everybody and they happen often. And so I think when I was in the survival mode season for the first time, like everyone says, oh, I'm just surviving motherhood, right? Like Mm -hmm. it was so scary. It was terrifying. And I didn't know how it would end or if it would change. And I think one of the most important things to know, like when you're in that hard season is it's temporary and there's other things coming. And so I think for me, as I discovered this five-step path, it was so empowering because now I'm not scared anymore of those survival seasons. I now I'm like, okay, I'm in survival mode and that's okay. There's things that I can focus on here, but it's temporary and I can move on. That's so good. Okay, what's step number two? Now I'm I'm like leaning in. I'm so curious. I feel like if we have a game plan, we can do it, right? Like kind of with decluttering. Okay. It's like if you have a game plan, you can get through it. Okay, number two. Okay. So the second one is reentry. Now this mm. name came from right after I had my second child, I was really sick those first two weeks that he was born. And we kept calling the doctor and like, you probably just have a stomach bug. Well, after two weeks of getting very, very, very sick, my I felt like I was in labor again. The pain in my abdomen was so extreme. And I just had this thought in my head over and over again, go to the ER now, go to the ER now, go to the ER now. And I went there and I walked in, they took one look at me and they heard my symptoms and said, you have C. diff, you need to go into isolation. This is very extreme. <laughs> like you, oh, you, no. you do need isolated. And so I was there for a week. I moved into the hospital with my newborn and my mom traveled out to stay with my two-year-old. And at some point, you know, it was a four-month process to even sort of get my feet under me again from that wow. sickness. But 
when everybody left, like there was a lot of help at first, but then there's mm -hmm. a point when, you know, my mom goes home, my husband has to go back to work, yeah. you know? And then I was like, this feels like I'm entering the atmosphere and on a rocket ship and it gets really hot and I'm not sure if it's going to blow up and if we're going to make it or not. That's why re-entry is called re-entry. Okay. Right. Because when you've been in a survival season, you are now behind on everything yeah. and you stopped your habits. You stop things that make life go easy. You set your systems down and you had to, right? Like life yeah. is bigger than you, but that's why it's called re-entry. It feels so hard. And a lot of people are in re-entry thinking I'm still in survival mode, mm -hmm. but I feel like it's so helpful to name it because, um, because you have to know this is even more important. It's very temporary. I like to think of it as the seed that is now doing the work to sprout above the soil. Yeah. Like it takes a lot of energy and effort to get it above the soil, but you are so close to getting yeah. to that light again. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really good because it does feel like it will go on forever. Like how will yeah. I ever get back on top of my house, the, all the paper that has piled up, all the laundry, everything. And so that's really good. So then we've got step three. And this is normalizing. Mm. And so this is like, when I say normalizing too, it's like, we just want to get things good enough because a lot of people get stuck in normalizing. They, they think they have to be perfect. Their house has yeah. to be perfect. Everything mm. has to be perfect. And then you're like dying in motherhood or in, in just your life. And you're like, yeah, I, ha I lost myself. There's nothing fulfilling. It's like, well, that's because all you're trying to do is clean your house. Right. So yeah. we just need to get things back to good enough. So for me, that's like laundry starting to get done again. Dishes are getting, you know, off the table into the sink, dishwasher, you know, cleaned on a regular basis. Um, some semblance of morning routine for the kids and I, and like yeah. bedtime restarted, but, but just kind of get these basic things in place so that you are no longer reacting to literally everything all day long. So are you naturally a perfectionist or are you more type B where it's like, ah, oh, good enough? That's a good question. Because I'm like a type B and like when I would tell people like, just throw it away or like just decode it, just get rid of it. And people are like, but no, but I don't know if what if I need it in the future and it costs this much and what if I have to replace it and all, you know, and they're like bringing me through the thoughts going through her head and I'm like, that is exhausting. I cannot imagine <laughs> living inside of your head. So for the moms that might be like, that is so hard for me. Like, do you have any tricks to, we have to put aside perfection and just celebrate like the progress and the small wins? Oh yeah. Okay. So yes, absolutely. So I will say like survival mode, the very first, the, like there's a few things to do in survival mode. You keep doing these things, but it's you at night, you look at your big wins. So instead of looking at all the things that don't get That's done, good. I like am very good at looking yes. at things I do get done. So, um, but for me, I, when it comes to my house, I am not a perfectionist. I'm an idealist in a lot of things. Like I'm striving far and I have big vision and dreams and expectations and things that I want to aspire to, but yeah. like, I'm totally fine with not being there yet. And so one of the things, um, Atomic Habits, have you read that book? Oh yes. Love it. Mm -hmm. okay. So my favorite, most life-changing part of that book happens in the introduction when he's talking about the valley of despair and how mm. most of us think life should go like this and really there's this like dip first. <laughs> and so he gave this beautiful analogy of this ice cube that when you take the ice cube out of the freezer and you set it on the counter, it's at 27 degrees, it's not melting yet. And then 28, 29, 30, 31, okay, 32, now it's melting. And so the thing that I carry with me through reentry, but especially normalizing is the ice cube is going to melt. Like mm -hmm. I just keep that with me all day long. The ice cube is going to melt. And on that day when the ice cubes melt, I have, I have trained everyone in my circle to know what this means. And I call and I'm like, the ice cube is melting, everybody. <laughs> it's melting. I see it, you know? And then we all celebrate about the ice cube melting. But like <laughs> that for me is life-changing. And that's how I get yeah. past that perfectionism, right? Like, and I hold on to that hope. The ice cube will melt. This will get better. Yeah, that's so good. And I'm sure you've heard of negativity bias too. Like our brains... Oh, yeah. They're actually trained to recognize 
dangers and things that are unsafe. And and so it's meant to keep us safe, right? But it also means that we are much more likely to focus on what didn't get done or what didn't get done well um, or what we're still failing at than those wins. So it really does take some intentionality um, to be able to retrain our brain. And we can do it, but to celebrate these wins. And I think getting your family involved, getting your kids involved, because we want them to grow up with those skills too. Um, I think that's that's a really important. Yeah. And all that brain science. So like in these really hard season, like when I was first starting out, I read everything I could about positive psychology, high performance habits, like all of these things, because my brain is so negative and my life can look really good on paper and I can yeah. still be suffering. I suffered through so many seasons just because I was looking at all that I wasn't doing. I was trapped in the mom guilt, should statements, black and white thinking, like serious cognitive distortions. Like that was my reality yeah. for a very long time. And I'm still very prone to that. So yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Like that is an essential piece of, of this process. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Okay. What's number four? Okay. So the fourth step is exploring. And the reason mm -hmm. why this is so important is because I feel like a lot of us get into motherhood or just into a new phase of life where the kids are getting older, where it's like, we have to rediscover what brings us joy, meaning mm -hmm. purpose, fulfillment, yeah. what we like to do. Um, and what we like to do with our family. Like it's a personal journey and also a family journey. And so, and the other thing too, is I feel like we're in a culture where it's like, if you start something, it has to make you money. Like you can't just yeah. do something for fun, right? It's like, oh, this is a side hustle. Well, when are you going to monetize it? Are are you going to film yourself doing that? Is that going to be on YouTube soon? Right. And, um, and I feel like we just need opportunities to pressure off. Go yeah. try something. Yeah. Go have fun. Go explore something. And you don't have to stick with it forever. It doesn't have to become your lifelong passion, but yeah. like try something. And so when we feel like you, when you start to feel like your life is boring and you've gone, you, you can tell, you can yeah. tell the moment you've been normalizing too long and it's time to move on to exploring because you feel miserable. Yeah. What are some examples of things that you would like explore or test out or try out? Oh, so for us, gardening, uh, mm. cargo biking. We got like a Madsen cargo bike. I bike with all four kids in a bucket. Um, woodworking. I've built a lot of the furniture in our house. Uh, water colorings with homeschooling. The sky's the limit on yeah. the things we or there are so many books we read of hiking. My husband's into rock climbing. So we've all starting to develop some rock climbing skills. But like, again, it's just a very, you know, a podcasting five years ago. I was like, I need something. That was probably one of the first things that I was like, I just need to do something that scares me. That's fun for no reason other than it scares me and it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's awesome. And I know sometimes the fear is that we're going to like acquire stuff and like have this stuff then that we're not going to use. But I think it's learning to be okay with that too. Like get the minimum amount needed for it. And then if the season passes and we don't need the stuff anymore, then share it with someone else who can make use of it. Yeah. Well, and we left out this part, but during this time, like five, six years ago, when I'm really figuring all this out and I'm going through these hard seasons, this is when I found you. This is when I was searching mm -hmm. you out because one of the things I was realizing is like, this isn't just happening once to me. This is just like a tidal wave. Like these survival yeah. circumstances are happening over and over and over and over again. And if I want to get up and down this path more efficiently, like it'll take longer for the house to fall apart if we have less stuff. Yeah. It'll be easier to get through reentry if I have less stuff. Yeah. It'll be easier to normalize and to build our systems again if there's less to manage so yeah. that we can do our habits. It. So picking up isn't so hard because yeah. it doesn't take very long, right? So like what you teach fits perfectly with this. Like this yeah. was, it's an essential piece of the puzzle for me. It was. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And that's really encouraging to hear because I think more than ever, you know, it's just never been easier to acquire stuff, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, 
I don't know. We're fortunate that where we live, it still takes two days for Amazon Prime to get here. But I know many that you can have it the same day. We're not meant to manage all of this stuff, right? And so I am glad that you mentioned that. It yeah, makes the yeah. path easier. So that's yeah, great. definitely. Okay, what's number five? Okay, so five is thriving. And for the longest time, I was like, oh, that's it. I've arrived. But I realized, nope, that's not actually true. Thriving is growing. <laughs> and so basically what you've done is you've leveled the playing field here and you've got some very basic things in place. Like these are your circumstances. Yeah. But there's two reasons why we're in survival mode. The first reason is our circumstances, which you really don't get to control, but you can gracefully work on this path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the other reason why you feel like surviving is what I call the you've got something off on your three pillars of thriving. So the three pillars are scope, having a vision for your life and being able to make it happen. Structure, having essential, you know, routines and systems in place to make the necessary and essential things happen. And three is soul. You know, mm -hmm. your relationship with God, how you're taking care of yourself spiritually, yeah. mentally, emotionally, physically. And so if any one of those things are off, you're still going to feel like you're surviving, even if your circumstances are technically sure, fine. Sure, sure. And so when you hit sense. thriving, you've like hit this point where you, you've you kind of got your circumstances managed enough mm -hmm. that now the work you get to do is building up some systems and stuff and figuring out what kind of life do you want to live yeah. and let's make it happen. And how can we make it support that with systems and routines for our whole family, with our kids, with our yeah. spouses? And what are those essential practices and habits that I can have to help me stay, you know, my soul, my relationship yeah. with God and things stay yeah. solid? Well, and that's so good. And I think though for anyone that maybe is feeling a little lost in motherhood or feels like they have been wandering in the wilderness forever, those kind of sound scary. Like those are big things. And uh, just recently, my sister and I, we were at um, a women's conference that we got to speak at. And um, our friend Peggy came who does like a lot of inner healing work. And um, she said, Dawn, you know, a lie that a lot of people pick up during childhood is that they're not good enough. And so if we are still hanging on to this idea that, well, I'm not good enough to get my house decluttered and I'm not good enough to put habits and systems. I have tried that before and it did not stick because I am not good enough. And so this sounds beautiful for you, Jessica, and I fully believe that you are able to do it. But what would you say to the women that are already discounting themselves saying like, I have tried that, <laughs> like it didn't work. How would you encourage them? Yeah, so I think when you're in that season and you're or when you're thinking that way and behaving that way, this is this is why I create a whole journal for this to ask myself questions every day because I it doesn't come naturally to me, yeah. right? Like this is so hard. And so what I started doing every night was asking these four questions is what were my big wins today? How did I see the hand of God in my life today? Hmm. What am I grateful for today? And what were the magic moments today? Wow. And just focused on those four things. And sometimes yeah. I write them down and, and after a while I get good enough that that's what I think about as I'm in the shower or going to sleep or whatever. But I just start there. And because when I start there, you, you come from a place of instead of lack to yeah. instead of place of abundance. Yeah. And, and I think that it brings you to a space of feeling like, no, this is okay. In fact, not only are things okay, they're beautiful and there's yeah. moments of joy in my day. Yeah. And, fr and from there, it's a lot easier to start feeling like you can be a little bit safer in thinking like, maybe what do I want? What's something I want to bring into here? And, and the other thing too is like, when I say create your vision, I'm not talking like, 
we should travel to Europe in the next yeah. five years. I'm talking like, okay, um, I'm feeling overwhelmed by laundry. Let's get that tackled in the next three months. Yeah. Okay. Or I think it would be great to start going to nursing homes with my kids. Yeah. You know, it's like very tangible and it's short. I like to look at things in 90 degree, 90 day increments, right? Yeah. So what are we, what can I do in the next three months? One, one to three things that I could do to start bringing something that's interesting to me or important to me or put out a fire in the next three months. And that's your vision pillar right there in yeah. a nutshell. That's so good. And there is something about just doing something, right? Whether it's, I'm going to have a meal plan for this week because I failed at meal planning the last however long, or I'm going to declutter one drawer in my kitchen. And I know like, you know, the brain science too. Like when we're just sitting here, maybe you're just like sitting, listening to this video and um, we can really start to rerun the negative things in our mind. Again, tell ourselves why we're not capable, but it's literally when we get up and physically do something, we're able to switch over to the other side of our brain. And now our thoughts actually become more logical again. And so, you know, again, if you're just sitting here, you're like, why would I meal plan now? I've never stuck with it in the last 14 years, you know, but like, if you'll literally stand up, walk to your counter, get out a piece of paper and a pen and start doing it, it, it changes our brain, right? And then we're into more of an action mode. We're thinking more logically again. The negativity bias is starting to go away. And so there is something about picking one thing, even today, that you could physically do that feels achievable and completing it. It's like when we complete that task, that is when we feel satisfaction. That actually creates more motivation to believe that we could do it again tomorrow. Um, and so there is, I know, like I know how easy it is to just get stuck sitting here scrolling and on social media and all that and just to have the whole list of reasons why I'm sorry, Jessica, I know that works for you, but it will not work for me. <laughs> well, let me tell you a story. No, let me tell you a story. So I was pregnant with my third child. It was a hard pregnancy. All of my friends would come to my door at like eight in the morning and they would roll my kids out to the playground in front of the house. And then I would like park myself on a blanket. I threw up in all of the bushes. And then at the end of the day, they'd like, you know, they'd feed us lunch and we, then we would, you know, go back home at the end of the day. So during one of these days, I was talking to a friend and I was just like complaining. I was saying all of the things that were so hard, all the reasons why I can't, all of the things that I was struggling with, all of these, just like you're saying, right? Like all of these things, all the mom guilt, all the things I couldn't do, wouldn't do, you know, all of the things. Okay. And she just looks at me and goes, well, that sounds like it's in your circle of concern. What's in your circle of influence. And then her mom called and she walked away. And so I like pulled out a, I had a paper plate and a pen and I was like, okay. And I literally drew a circle in the center and then a bigger circle. And I was like, okay, circle of concern. So I started like jotting down all of these things I was complaining. I'm like, yeah, those are all circle of concern things. That's true. Like okay. I, that's outside of me. And then I was like, I can eat and I can smile. Like in that moment, that was the only thing that I could think of in my circle of influence. And she came back and I was like, look, this is all I can do. And she's like, great, it'll get bigger. Wow. And so I think one of the things we have to do in these moments is retrain our brain. And this is this yeah. is one of those things when I talk about suffering. This is why I suffered so much. Right? This is one of the keys to stop suffering. This is one of the keys to stop feeling like a victim. Right? When we say we're not good enough, we're really saying I'm a victim here. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the biggest things for me that has changed my that I've had to retrain my brain is when I'm having a hard day or when I feel stuck or when I feel like I can't because mm -hmm. I say, what's in my circle of influence here? What do I actually have control over today? Yeah. And so, you know, then we'd say, well, what's my big win at the end of the day? You start, those questions are matter because it retrains your brain, right? And yeah. now during the day, I'm scanning for big wins. So just like you were saying, like, yeah. if I know I'm going to write a big win down today, 
what is something I can do in my circle of influence to be a big win today? Right. And it starts holding you accountable. And so it takes time. It took years, but I feel like over years, it really Mm -hmm. like the reality that I live in now is not the same reality that I was in five years ago. Yeah. That is so good. And how powerful if we would do this with our kids too, because sometimes as moms, I think it's actually easier to do this for our kids than to do it for ourselves. So what if we, you know, at dinner and you don't have to be sitting everyone around the table eating dinner, but even if you're on the couch tonight and you're like, okay, I'm going to pause the TV and we're just going to say something that went really well today or that we accomplished. Um, How powerful to help our kids begin to see their lives in a more positive way too. Oh, I have a son that like, he, you know, I'm learning about all the stuff while I have toddlers and this kid, I was like, he is bent like towards pessimism. Like, so like I had read this thing about the spectrum of like pessimism to optimism and, and he was like squarely in the opt like pessimist camp, like so hard. And one of the things I talked about is I think it was like Sean Acker that said, if you just said something you're grateful for every day for 30 days, you will move up that point scale towards optimism. Okay. So I was like, all right, we're going to do it. And so for years, that's how we end the day with him. Like, what are two things you're grateful for today, bud? And he tells me, and you know what? He is fine now. Like he is, it has completely changed. You know, it's been a lot of years, but, and he's so good. He's just so happy to rattle off two things he's grateful for today. And it was almost impossible to get him to say things before, like yanking teeth. That that's really encouraging because I think it's easy as moms to be like, well, I have royally messed them up. They inherited my negativity and that's just how it's always going to be. So that's actually really encouraging to hear. And so again, I think, can we circle back to how much more enjoyable do you think motherhood is now that you've simplified your house? Oh, Every week now, on Thursday, I have a group of women that come over to my house and we do a study group together and it's clean. And the first week someone came, they go, my house won't look like this until I move out. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, you know, (laughs) you know, it was kind of funny, but it's like, it took a lot of work to get there. Like it was hard, but being able to just go outside in the morning and play with my kids being able to have people come over to our house regularly while we're living in it as a homeschooling family. Like that's amazing. Um, just looking around and seeing like, it's full of memories now, like all those things that I decluttered, like I can look around and be like, I remember what this used to look like. And it feels so good to look at that and know it's a little space of peace, like enjoyment off the charts. Yeah. And you know, I'm glad you said that too about having a group over because I know something plaguing our generations and even our kids now is loneliness. And so how do you make friends as an adult now? Yeah, I will say we moved here a few months before the pandemic. I was pregnant with one of my my fourth pregnancy, which was also super hard physically, not as much mentally because I'm using my tools. (laughs) Um, But so it has taken me a long time to feel like I have good friends here. And I will say the thing that has like just in the last few weeks turned around for me, and I used to do this before the pandemic, is we get together and we study a topic together. I mean, for us, it's the names of Christ. But I've also done groups where we studied seven habits of highly effective people together, like getting together with other women for me or adults Mm -hmm. and learning something meaningful, interesting. Yeah. Completely like that bonds people together in a way that I feel like the only other opportunity, only other time I feel this way with people is when I serve with them. Like if we do a service project together, but, but this is something that's simple and it's about an hour 
and completely life-changing on the friend spectrum for me. Yeah, I think that is so good. And I think it's remembering too that other women are lonely and desperate for connection too. I'm sure everyone that you invited over was thrilled for the invitation. Well, and actually it was another friend who's like, I need to get together with other people. And I'm like, I'm too stressed to coordinate that, but you can have my house. She even just schedules it. And I'm like, great, I will have my house ready. You tell people what to study. Like it was even like none of us, all of our muscles are weak from the pandemic. Yeah. Right. Anything that we had been able to do before, like, I feel like we are all rebuilding our social muscles. Yeah. And another friend picked the topic. Okay. So there were three, it took three of us to be able to like, feel like we could pull this off. So I think too, just like, if you have an idea, get one or two other people to brainstorm with you and use your strengths to pull it off. That's that's really good because it can be overwhelming to think, well, I have to have my house ready and I have to have the food and the snacks and then I have to have the book study and all of that. So that's that's really good and that's really helpful. And don't well, you you have a study resource people could use, don't you? I feel you know, like I, I mean, saw we might have a decluttering by faith devotional that has a maybe free Bible. <laughs> yeah, that would be a great topic, wouldn't it? No. If you're looking for something. (laughs) That's awesome. And it doesn't actually matter if your house isn't perfect yet either. Even if your house isn't fully decluttered, people just want connection. And actually it puts them at ease too sometimes if your house isn't perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, today it did not look like nobody, like we were moving. I promise you. We were very lived in the house today. Yeah. But it wasn't overwhelming. Like there's a difference of like lived in Mm -hmm. versus like drowning in the stuff, right? Absolutely. And I still had people over when I was drowning in the stuff. Because that matters. Yeah. It absolutely matters. But the enjoyment on my part was a lot higher. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Less stress, definitely. Mm -hmm. That is so good. Well, Jessica, this has been so fun to get to visit with you and so encouraging today. So uh, where can everybody find you if they want to spend more time with you? Yeah. Thriving in Motherhood. I've got a podcast on YouTube now and the website thrivingmotherhoodpodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're looking for more support, be sure to check out The Minimal Mom on YouTube, too.